0: your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Dustin Melbartis, Nathan Lutz, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights to the Retro Movie Roundtable. Welcome to the show where we watch movies and then talk about them. I am your host, Russell Guest, and joining me today is my good friend, Dustin Melbardis from Deep in the Heart, Texas. How are you doing, sir?
1: Good evening. I'm great. It's another Scorcher 107 today. Makes me so happy to be an indoor kid talking about
0: movies. (laughs) Second time on the show, but first time on a typical episode from the, we had him on the James Bond special, which we just covered the James Bond movie recently. We just did On Her Majesty's Secret Service, but uh, sorry if Jake missed out on that one. But here, he likes things more than James Bond. We have Mr. Jake Traskovich. How are you doing, sir?
2: Doing great. Thanks for having me again.
0: Yeah. What is a movie you put down and forgot about, but you came back to it and you loved it, Jake?
2: Actually, I'm watching one right now that I, to- I have only seen once. Uh, Ex Machina. Oh yeah. Today, twenty-four movie. I only saw it once, and you know it was uh, like early Oscar Isaac, mm-hmm. and I'm like kind of like slowly devouring it over the couple days and just watching it scene by scene. And it it was awesome when I saw it in the theater, but I didn't understand. It's it's beautiful, and I really liked like kind of the the intrigue. And the, it, the, it was like kind of my first, I think, A24 movie. And I really like all those because they're like odd.
1: It is beautiful. I, I remember yeah. being um, like like visually just sort of entranced. I've, I've only seen it once as well. Maybe I should pick it back up. Yeah.
0: Well, one we covered that Alex Garland did, same writer from that, is Sunshine. So if you're enjoying Ex Machina, I recommend going and checking out Sunshine. Sunshine was the movie he made prior to Ex Machina it's also really good.
2: Okay. I'll check it out. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. And uh, Dustin, how about you, what's the movie you put down to you forgot about but you came back to it and you loved it?
1: Adam's Family is really <laughs> good. And oh my God. Adam. I watched it a bunch of times as a kid and I put it down and it didn't re-watch it again until 2019. Uh, and I was like, this is so, so good. I don't remember what Made me rewatch it. It was maybe I saw Angelica Houston in something, or maybe I was watching like a Street Fighter the movie clip with Raul Julia. I'm like, let me just check out the Adams Family, and I'm remembering it's great. I think people remember the second one more, but the first one's very very good. That's sad so, when a
0: bad sequel dilutes the first one. But you know what? That's a movie that I also assume just didn't age well from when you saw it as a kid. But I went back also and later yeah. and said like, oh. I was kind of thinking this was only for kids, but I'm enjoying this again, so it's a good choice. Mine is Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, oh wow, I went, I went a long time without (laughs) seeing it, and then I watched it, and I had a very good time.
2: I think that it's funny because it's supposed to take place in San Francisco, you know, and the house that they live in. There's no way they could afford that house. Like zero point zero percent. It's in like like right below billionaires row in SF. And even back when it was made, no no way in hell. Like that's just like impossible. So I like I drove past it and I'm like, Matt. Eh.
0: Jake, Jake, you're a James Bond fan. You know that you've got Pierce Brosnan being the victim of a drive <laughs> by fruiting in that uh, movie.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right. Oh god. <laughs> I I have to really quickly. You said the sequel to Adam's Family is terrible. You need to rewatch it. I watch it every Thanksgiving. Wow, it's is it spectacular. Good? Okay. See what oh, what I
1: think. I think, and I'm 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 with you here. Is that I think people misremember. Like one of them was a bad one. One of them was a good one. No, I I think you just grow up and reappreciate these. That I don't think one was bad. Um, I, yeah. But yeah, uh, I think people really remember that scene of Wednesday talking about the uh, the pilgrims and the Indians sharing. Like, <laughs> oh, th- people yes. remember that more than anything else about the second movie.
0: You know, when you write a letter to yourself back in time, and you you and you can just say, uh, you know, you give all this like important life advice, and at the end of it, in P.S., like Adam's family really was good.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, it, it like and the the one liners are spectacular you know I, I you're so cute i could just eat you alive and then morticia's like no no much too young like it's all that crap <laughs> right. of like morbid humor which is kind of totally like Beetlejuice. Too, and kind and,
1: of. and it's not done in the same way that like elvira would deliver it right, right. Like, like morticia adams and elvira are not the same so like the, the, their delivery of these are, are, are very good
0: yeah yeah well you let a good segue in there because just so happens is Dustin what movie are we covering today
1: Uh, we are covering Beetlejuice from 1988 all right Beetlejuice stars
0: Michael Keaton Alec Baldwin Gina Davis Jeffrey Jones Catherine O'Hara and a young Winona Ryder it comes out in 1988 the budget is 15 million dollars it takes in 73.7 million dollars so this is a huge profit off of this movie it comes in at 10th on the box office that year it comes in just behind cocktail and ahead of working girl which By the way, we've covered Working Girls, so check out that one. That was episode 98. Number one movie that year from 1988 was Rain Man. Beetlejuice gets a 7.5 on IMDb. The critics of Rotten Tomatoes give it an 85%. The audience scores gives it an 82%. It is an Academy Award winner. Beetlejuice won the Academy Award for Best Makeup, which I I totally get that. It it is a BAFTA-nominated for Best Visual Effects. And the Saturn Award winner for Best Horror Film uh, Makeup, Best Supporting Actress, uh, Sylvia Sidney, as you know, and the Saturn Award nominations. It took five more nominations away, including Best Director for Burden, Best Supporting Actor, Writing, Musics, and Special Effects. And the AFI gives us high praise on the top 100 comedies of all time. This is number 88. Jake, this is a well-appreciated movie. And is this a movie that you had seen before? What was your history with it? What was it like coming back to it
2: today? This movie, like... It was the very first movie I remember seeing in the theater, actually. So I saw a bunch before this, but this is like, I remember I saw it with my, my two late cousins and my aunt. And we drove to a special theater to see it. At the time, I didn't realize there were two F-words in it. <laughs> I had probably never heard the F-word up to that point, but I was eight. And I was, I don't know, mesmerized. And then I watched it constantly constantly as a kid and then i i and my brother and i have like this thing where we go back and rewatch movies all the time but it's like ghostbusters where there's like it's awesome when you're a kid for those weird moments and action and stuff like that it's like kind of a cool story and then it's better as an adult because you get the humor and there's a lot of underlying things you wouldn't get as a kid like what the heck's going on i, I don't know so it's very special. Yeah,
0: yeah. So yeah. if you enjoy it as a kid, it, there's a lot to grow with for sure on that. So coming back and studying it a little bit deeper makes you appreciate it even more, I'm sure. Dustin, yeah. how about you? What was your experience and background?
1: I did not see it in theaters, but I did see it a lot as a kid. And then my revisit uh had me noticing things aside, like the the big, like funny or popping moments uh smaller more subtler things about this movie just stood out for this particular watch i know that i'm a beetlejuice fan and i know that i was a fan of that animated series that canadian animated series from the early 90s as well or sorry late 80s into the early 90s mm-hmm. as different as it was i liked them both um i remember having beetlejuice merchandise i had toys for this character more so than I had like Ninja Turtles merchandise or Hot Wheels. I remember playing with Beetlejuice. He was a friend. Uh, Like, you know, (laughs) you go to Disney world or Epcot center and you get a little purple figment uh, dragon stuffed animal or something like I had Beetlejuice growing up. Would I say that like Beetlejuice has been a favorite of mine? I don't think so. I don't think I would say like, Oh yeah, Beetlejuice top 10. But when you revisit a movie like this, that you had, I, I, did have a bias coming in saying like, oh, I know that I like this. Oh, man, this is so worthy of any praise it's ever gotten. I never knew what awards it was nominated for, but they deserved all the nominations and probably more wins. I thought it was fantastic.
0: Yeah, I had been away from this one for a long time, but I actually first saw this one not so long after it came out but probably in the mid 90s like 93 92 somewhere in there and so i wanted to see this i was begging my parents to see it because of the animated series that dustin's talking about when i first got it i wasn't really sure what to do with this beetle just wasn't very nice and in the cartoon he's a fun he's a fun companion and here he was a a mischief maker and not something that i was prepared for so I kind of liked it, but I definitely preferred the cartoon for many, many years. And I didn't come back to it all the way until like I was in high school. And then I watched it again. I liked it a little bit more. And then something clicked after I just graduated from college. I watched it again and I had become a Tim Burton fan. Like I had connected in college, like all the things that Tim Burton had done. And I had really started to appreciate him. Perhaps my eyes as a movie watcher started to open up and... Other things other than just the story came into it where I started getting what Michael Keaton was doing and how he was pursuing the character. And quite frankly, it's written at a level for an older audience anyway, where, as you mentioned, Jake, there's all this little stuff in there that all of a sudden is like, oh, I I never thought this was very funny. When I saw the top 100 AFI movies listing it on there, it's like, I mean, I like it, but why is it on the top 100 funniest? And now I come back to it, it gets funnier. I'm. I like the dark humor more than I used to as a kid. It's aged very well. I've watched it a few more times, studying for it here. Now I'm to the point where I'm inundated to the point where I'm like, oh boy, here's that scene that I like. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they're about to step outside, and here come the sandworms. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I've
1: got my scene just like that. Well, I'll wait until after the break, but I've, I have that one that, like, when I saw it was coming up on this rewatch, I was like, oh, settle in, and I rewatched it like five times, rewound, repeated it. Uh, I can't wait to tell you about which, which scene that, that that scene for me, uh, is a little later on.
0: Nice. And I mean, the other thing I gotta say, this is refreshing this year. We have watched a lot of long movies. I, uh, we haven't totally tabled it up yet. It'd be curious to see at the end of the year, we've watched a lot of long movies this year, a lot of over two hour movies. And, uh, you know, I think we've logged more minutes of watching this year than a typical year of retro movie round table. So to be handed a 90-ish minute movie it was like it's like that was refreshingly short it's a dream it's a
1: dream you know how to make my day man give me give me something in a tight 90 minutes
0: ooh yeah we just got done with Master and Commander and a few other movies that were just these are long oh, movies Settle the in. right stuff They're good movie they're good movies they're long so anyway we'll come back and we'll talk about Beetlejuice probably as long as the movie is uh because that's how we do it here so <laughs> um We will be back after these messages. There will be spoilers that lie ahead, so watch out for that. Welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Jason. And this is the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. So whether you're a brain, a jock, a valley girl, or a Jedi, we've got some 80s classics for you. Do these movies stand the test of
2: time? Are we discovering something new? Is there an 80s movie we're finally watching for the first time?
0: Join us each week as we dive into the cinematic nostalgia that inspired and influenced a generation. From the hits to the cult classics, we'll discuss our earliest memories, favorite scenes, fun facts, and our not-so-favorite movie moments, too. It's the All 80s Movies Podcast, now available on all major streaming platforms. Please subscribe and happy listening. Alright, we're back and this is your final warning. There will be spoilers that lie ahead. Now Dustin, for those who haven't seen Beetlejuice since 1988, do you want to refresh people's memory?
1: Welcome to Winter River! (laughs) A quaint Connecticut country town home to the Maitlands, a couple enjoying their staycation before a freak accident sends them crashing to their deaths. They return to their home unaware of their own fate, until a series of clues and a new copy of the Handbook for the Recently Deceased reveals their situation. Hampered by an inability to leave their own house, lest they be teleported to sandworm-infested Saturn, they are met with the Dietz family, who have purchased their home and have brought their zany urban lifestyle with them, transforming their idyllic home into a new wave nightmare. Their caseworker, who is meant to assist with their afterlife transition, advises them to scare them away, but they are too wholesome to be frightening, so they enlist the help of infamous bio-exorcist Beetlejuice, against all advice. Beetlejuice, the ghost with the most is confident that he can scare the Dietzes away, but has no regard for their safety, and turns his gaze toward the teenage daughter Lydia. The Dietzes learn about the ghosts' presence, but instead intend to monetize their existence and use a ritual summoning uh, to get the Maitlands, which for once is (laughs) horrifying. Uh, It goes wrong. In an attempt to save the Maitlands, Lydia strikes a deal to get married to Beetlejuice, who can now cross over to the living world. This results in the deaths of two members of the seance and nearly ends with matrimony before the Maitlands defeat Beetlejuice and share their home with the Dietzes while Beetlejuice finds himself in an eternal waiting room. Now that the plot summary is done, it's showtime.
0: This is an idea for a movie that comes out after Poltergeist, which was a big hit movie. The idea of bad ghosts was like flipped into a where like the house would be the living would be the awful ones, which is a fun flip on this. Like the living are haunting the dead and that's not one of those things that i got early on i mean jake you mentioned this too what got funnier for you as you got
2: older i think that the first thing that was like oh this isn't made for kids is the she's sleeping with prince valium tonight like i didn't know who the hell prince valium was as a child and then as a psychiatrist i'm like that is pretty spectacular but the funniest part, and I never liked it as a kid because it was a preamble to the best part of the movie, was when Catherine O'Hare, Dilly, is making food and she's like, Ghosts! You're telling me this is this ghost. And, like, she starts going down this pathway, like, I'm making a dinner tonight for seven people, and uh, all of them except one have been on the cover of Vanity Fair, except so for <laughs> you. You know, like, and, it, like, nobody would have catched that as a kid, but, like, all those, like, little tiny, and then, like, to change the subject at dinner, the dad proposes that toast, and it's really quick, but it's, like, I'd like to, like, toast to intrepid friends, two dozen toe to be with us here this evening, Mayor Buildings Go Condo. You wouldn't hear that as a kid. Like it's just like how how quick and some of the things we, even Beetlejuice is saying, you know, we're simpatico here, yeah. uh, you know, that that sort of stuff. Like you those it's very clever and very well worded in every scene.
1: Yeah, may your buildings go condo isn't funny when you're eight.
2: No. No. You're like, what no. is this guy saying so quick? You don't even and know. And you don't pick up on
0: the fact that he's kind of on the ropes either. You know, like, yes, I think that, he, he's, I think that a he's a developer breakdown. who has bad ideas. I did not pick up on the fact that his boss was kind of agitated with him. It was just like, you know how much you like that idea that I had? Everybody loved it. And, like, he just kind of, like, rolls his eyes and, like, right. it's like, like it... exhales and looks away at the floor. Like, not that again. Right,
2: because the, the last selling point of his presentation before the seance or whatever is, like, decon is on its knees to sponsor the insect zoo here like it's like he is like trying to rebuild his yuppie existence and it's just uh spectacular that's another
1: thing you wouldn't have really picked up on uh you know his his boss Maxie dean says on the phone nobody made more money than you until you lost your nerve (laughs) and and so that's why he moves out to connecticut to, I, I suppose, like, all right, maybe he can rebound. But that was completely <laughs> lost on us as a kid. Like, okay, they're, they're, they're just a kind of a kooky duo. He, he must like the outdoors. And his wife, the mom, Lydia Dietz, she's uh, just a little kooky. Uh, no, he's been ostracized. <laughs> they show you the things about these characters very quickly. They're, they're not quite caricatures, but the things you need to know about Charles Dietz and uh, Delia Dietz, like, all of these characters are come really quickly. Even the Maitlands, yeah. uh, you see they are a playful, loving couple immediately, and they die at eight minutes in. But you you see, like, oh, this is how, like, it is idyllic. It's almost perfect for them. And then boom, uh, disaster strikes. So, like, you, the they did a good job writing it that way, too, that you see exactly who they are right away.
2: Yeah.
0: I think the juxtaposition of city folk to country-style living is very funny. And I did not pick up on how just funny Catherine O'Hara is in this. She's very funny as like just being repulsed by like, (laughs) like she's the weird one. And like, I mean, like I think most people like, cause like, you know, I'm an architect. I love modern architecture. I raise my hand. I'm the weird one who wants to live in a glass house. I, I, you know, I mean, but I mean, Delia on the other hand is just like so far down the um down the hole. Like she's lost connection to everything else.
2: She's and she's probably the the biggest bad guy of the living world. If you think about it, she embodies that, like. It's, it's really weird. I, I have no idea how she does it too. but you were talking about the juxtaposition of city and country, and I was like thinking today when I was watching it how it, maybe it's Burton's answer to it or something. but there's this change in cinema in America, this is just sort of my theory by the way, that, that actually was the introduction of like living and making it in New York. You guys talked about working girl, right? like classic. Then there's like Wall Street. It was there was a time where everything was about New York City and Beverly Hills, and then the the, the Maitlands are kind of like old timey, like fifties. This is like like the simple life and that kind of weird that interplay. So I don't I didn't see it as like city country, although it's totally there. I saw it as like wholesome yuppie, you know, like it was like yeah. it, it like and America was like all about that at the late 80s it was like just either beverly
1: hills or new york city chad
0: likes the line in coming to america where they're like they're like let's see we're gonna go to america well we can either go to new york or la just <laughs> yeah. <head. laughs> yeah
1: well charles doesn't want to bring city stuff he he, he wants mm-hmm. to revel in the small town hominess he opens the book of the the you know, john james audubon bird pictures looks out the binoculars and immediately sees, like, a baby vulture eating carrion. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he wants that. Or at least he pretends to want that, perhaps while he plots his own, like, return to uh, real estate or whatever it is that he does.
0: He wants it, but, but he's ruining it without realizing it.
1: it, it I, I think what's important, what Jake said, is that D- Delia is the closest thing to, like, an antagonist. She's bringing the stuff that the Maitlands don't like. She, she's bringing that, that art style. She's bringing that weirdo-ness. Yeah. Uh, as, yeah, but it would probably be quicker to warm up to Charles, uh, as opposed to uh, Delia, who uh, once again shows you how quick she is. Like, hey, I agreed to move out you out here with you, but if you don't let me gut this house and make it my own, I'm going to go insane, and I will take <laughs> you with me. Uh,
0: with, and I also <laughs> like it when you know Lydia's like, you know, Delia's gonna hate it. I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. We have, uh, we we have our sort of the closest thing to a bad guy i guess uh yeah. in the living
2: have you ever come across uh adelia in real life
1: yeah totally yeah
2: it's very interesting i used to live across the way in in my apartment down in sf from someone who's very delia like they she does this weird stuff with like birch trees and deconstructing famous person like famously designed purses and just wrapping up limbs and then she had this gallery and I was like thinking what the hell kind of life is this and it's totally Delia Deeds. and she had all these famous friends and stuff I was like what how do these people exist but they do it was a perfect encapsulating sort of thing so Catherine does it very well
0: and at one point I got I thought Lydia was like this tragic character I had to get old enough to get through those teenage years to then go back and realize how thick they're laying it on being suicidal is not funny, but they take the dramatic nature of just somebody who's very unhappy. Their parents aren't paying attention to her. She's been thrown into a world where she does not belong, and she has all the reasons to be unhappy. But it's, a, it's so one of those things where you have to get older to appreciate that, too. And I'm wondering, why did I like this movie at all as a kid, to be honest with you? I think I was just trying to force it. Like, I like that cartoon. And this made the cartoon, so I guess I like it now i'm looking back at it going like this movie's really not for kids my mom was reluctant to show this to me at the at the they had seen it and my mom was like i don't think that you want this i'd be like yes i assure you i do and i was like (laughs) it's like like, it's like it's got the guy who's batman and mr mom in it and like my mom's like it's not really like that and i'm like it's gonna be like that. It's gonna be great (laughs) how about we get that movie yeah, o I think...
1: Otho's wit is lost on children as well. <laughs> oh yeah. Like, for w- sure. W- what is he when you're a kid? But like he's he's wonderful when you're watching an adult.
2: Yeah. You have no idea like the suspected sexual orientation of this fellow, why there's a like like a heavy set gentleman walking around with this married woman who depends she depends upon him for every little opinion. It's just Like, you don't even think about it. It's like, oh, yeah, here's this buddy. Well, they
0: enable each other. (laughs) Like you said, have you met Adelia? They need to be (laughs) surrounded by people who are in their little echo chamber. And this is (laughs) pre-Facebook. So if without them... They don't. Uh, they don't feel as self-important. So they make each other feel better than everybody by stroking each other's <laughs> yeah. massive egos. That is a very <laughs> funny thing that you have to realize as an adult. And like, but again, as you pointed out, Jake, it's just like this is hilarious, and it's it's nuanced. It's not like they're just like dropping one-liners out there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Also, she like writes. She spray paints mauve on on a wall. He nods yes. his head. That is life.
1: mauve. You read and He's my like, mind. you read my mind. And <laughs>
2: it, they're not doing anything. Like you didn't read your mind. You just walked into a mauve room. It's so <laughs> dumb. It's great though. And you're right. It's enabling.
1: because they need the echo chamber part of it. Like they need to. <laughs> they bring that couture with them. That like, oh, we are still cutting edge. But what what does uh, he say? Like he he walks into a room and he says meridian and she's scrambling. <laughs> she goes, "Well, how do I know that name?" and completely right. misses the mark. Is like, no, it, it's blue green. <laughs> that, that that isn't a joke when you're a kid. So, you, right. Russell, you're absolutely right. This movie really isn't a kids' movie, but oh, something yeah, yeah. about the cartoon does draw the the children of the time towards like, well, okay, there was a movie based on this too. Let's see it. Their vast difference, but uh, your, your mind makes up for it. But uh, yeah definitely beetlejuice more adult oriented compared to a cartoon
0: yeah i didn't get how skeezy beetlejuice was like groping <laughs> bro- like spr- gina davis like you know lifting up Such her skirt spr- with a stick and stuff <laughs> like that and like i mean i don't they are looking at possibly doing another beetlejuice in another three years from now which i hope it happens they've been kicking it around forever which we'll talk about later but how, do they how can beetlejuice survive too? in a me too era yes. yeah no.
2: <laughs> not at all not at all he is such a pervert it's so great and it's like they don't get they can't do that like when i watch this i'm like holy crap like when he comes out it's just all hyper sexualized and it's great i don't know this is your kid you don't even see that i like the you train set like,
0: i like the train set model where it's just like there's a brothel Put into it and like yeah. and his wife looks over at him very very disappointed like why did you build that i
1: didn't <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah right and juno does i know juno's the one who does juno's it was juno's idea it was juno
0: i put that there to distract him
1: you know i think beetlejuice i was gonna mention this later but beetlejuice is kind of a looney tune here he is he'll toss something and it makes a sound effect he has sort of magical powers the same way that like the rock can fall and wile e. coyote won't fall just yet He's got this cartoony style appearance, almost, but like, like just a uh, like his powers are all wild. I, I was com- comparing him to the mask, yes, uh, as yeah. well. But yes, It makes me think of of Looney Tunes. Uh, who Pepe Le Pew? It'd be like Pepe Le Pew is is, is you know. <laughs> it's problematic now. At, at, that's what I was kind of getting to is Beetlejuice is like an undead awful pervy Pepe Le Pew with the magical powers and they probably must smell bad yeah yeah, and yeah he, he stinks and he eats bugs and like that's the thing is I think he's more gross than scary and the movie does try yeah. to tell you that he's scary uh, maybe they could do a better job of that we'll talk about that later but uh, he, he is he's funny I think first gross as well and then, you know, his head spins around, like, in The Exorcist. Yeah. Don't, you, yeah. don't you hate it when that happens? Like, and it's a joke. It's not scary. So, like, there, there's so much about this that maybe had never been attempted or done before that uh, kind of this is a benchmark in, oh, wow, this movie swing with the pendulum so far towards it makes the top 100 comedies list, but it won the best horror at the Saturn Awards. So, like, that's, that's wild that it can do both. It's really interesting that you point out The Mask. I don't think you get that movie without
0: this movie because you're right. They took cartoon things and they put it in the real world. And while Roger Rabbit took cartoons and put them in the real world, which is like groundbreaking, really great movie. We should, I hope we cover that someday. But this does that with practical effects, I might add, in, like, with real-life actors. And, right. and it, <laughs> You're right. There's something very Lunar Tunes funny about that. And I like that. that that's right up my alley, too. You know, seeing real world stuff with real world consequences, so to speak, happening with Looney Tunes effects.
1: Yeah, like, I wouldn't have been surprised if at the minute he sees Barbara Maitland, who, by the way, is wearing, wearing a very conservative, like, house dress, but, like, the, and that's just because he's a complete horn dog, that it's any woman. I would not have surprised me at all if he, like, took a mallet and, like, smashed his head. Or uh you know if if his tongue unrolled and he howled like a wolf oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. so uh, eyes pop out, yeah, and so somehow he is a combination of these things that uh stands out and lasts' there's a reason why even thirty plus years later, there's still the idea of, well, maybe we won't make that remake, although I appreciate their hesitancy because, as it is, pretty good, they know that like, hey, we're not doing a trilogy with this. Maybe it's all it ever needed to be. But do you get enough Beetlejuice, Jake? He does not really. Granted, he's on a
0: TV ad on TV. But if you take the TV ad away, it's one hour, eight minutes before we get Beetlejuice. Before it's showtime. Like, before he's really revved up and he's really into it a lot. He's talked about. He's mentioned. Yeah, it's late. and That's
2: weird. I know. I didn't realize that. Like, after the TV... Like, b- they call him in an hour and eight minutes in?
0: Yeah, that's uh, exactly. That's incredible. So you don't get much time with Beetlejuice. We have actually talked so much about how we like Lydia. We've talked so much how we like Charles. We like the, the other people characters, and that's really unusual because the title character, the lead actor in this, yeah. is not really in it very much. It, it, right. Like It's funny, like you just said, Jake, you're kind of surprised by that, but do you get enough time with Michael Keaton Beetlejuice?
2: You know, I think actually that's probably what makes it magical. I haven't thought about this, but the fact of the lead up probably makes it even better. Like there is this, like, why is this movie named this? There's these advertisements they're reading about. He's heard upon. He's riding that fake cow, <laughs> which is spectacular. Like I forget, I always forget about that commercial and it, yeah, I think that actually
1: Jake, that's you- the scene. I rewatched it a dozen times. Uh- <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like not moving. <laughs> 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 he's swinging he's swinging living. the lasso and it's not a circle like a lasso, but he doesn't <laughs> stop it. He just keeps it going. Um, yeah, sorry. I just sorry to interrupt. Yeah,
2: no, it's it you're you I had never thought about that, but it doesn't I think that it doesn't matter because it's like one of those movies it's not a slow burn, but it's all this other stuff that happens and then you're like look for it's anticipatory. And this is kind of different, but it's like alien. Ominous, ominous, <laughs> ominous, 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 and then it's like, oh god, like mm-hmm. give me the hell out of here. You know, like, oh my god, what are we watching? You know, it's like that kind of
1: Long-lead-in. Long-lead-in.
2: Yeah, you know, know, so, yeah. yeah. yeah, I
1: think that's important to bring up, Russell, and and Jake, I think you're right. What you just said made me think about, like, how how was this movie marketed? It's called Beetlejuice. They would have had to show you Beetlejuice. They would have had to show you the character, and when you realize that the story is really more about the Maitlands and the Deets, is Beetlejuice... uh, Russell, I didn't know you were going to mention what you did, but I actually counted... The screen time in, in seconds. It's uh like 17 and a half minutes. That's not much. It's all it's all backloaded, and that includes uh. a seven-minute final sequence of the seance and the summoning. So, like, and that includes the minute and a half of him um, or I guess it's only a minute uh, of him in the waiting room with the head shrinker. <laughs> so <clears throat> so there's not a lot, but what you do get when it's him is like it's it's really big, it's a lot coming fast. But yeah, it makes me think that the way they marketed this must have been like, okay, in the trailer, which is maybe a minute and a half, you it has to be so much Beetlejuice. And then in the in the theater, when you're watching it, you're just like, when is it coming? When is he going to be here? And you're right, there's the there's the commercial, but you also do see him reading through he he says that great line, Uh, time uh, to get uh, a job, uh, go to the business section, and it's obituaries. <laughs> yeah, and you, so you do see him in his little underground layer beneath the house or wherever it is so it's just it's just it's not really FaceTime. so yeah very very low amount of, of a screen time
2: i think it's really good too though because if you think of all of the scenes that he's in it's way too frenetic like think about if there was like an hour of just solid Beetlejuice in and out, it would be a lot for an audience. You know, it'd be like way too much. And when you were talking about like that anticipatory sort of vibe, you know, I was thinking a lot of my movies that I really love are anticipatory. It's like a slow burn. Like you have to, like you get enveloped into the movie and then it's something happens – at the end and, and there's like I, I don't know i i actually that's usually my kind of jam i guess now i think about it
0: you're making a good point though suspense and comedy is not something you talk about it's like you right. said, you're you're anticipating to it but you're building to something it's not like right. suspense like i'm literally at the edge of my seat i'm sweating i'm riveting i'm grabbing my seat but you are kind of being held wanting and when it comes it kind of makes it really good so it's that's an interesting element of comedy.
2: I don't actually know if I can think of any other comedies that have that suspense in it, that anticipatory. But there's a lot of other jokes beforehand. The jokes are actually the Maitland Dietz lives as opposed to
1: Beetlejuice.
0: We haven't really talked much about like the Book of the Dead. The, the
1: handbook, handbook for the, the Recently hand, Deceased. The
0: Handbook for the Recently Deceased, Juno. The Wacky Crazy World of the Undead is also very funny yes it is it's it's full of red tape it's disappointing i mean you think of heaven and hell and this is something that's uh, something that's not quite purgatory but it's just weird i mean everybody yeah. takes on the the characteristics of where they were when they died the Dietzes are an exception to this they should be wet the whole time they were written to be that way but tim burden said it was just too mean to have their actors be wet the whole time <laughs> um,
1: that's unbelievable <laughs>
2: I I just went and I grabbed my own personal copy of this that I got off of Etsy by the way. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you have that. I actually have I do have an Etsy this was a gift. Somebody got me the uh the Steve Zisu like ring for being in his in his little uh cadets or whatever. I have a Zisu ring um etsy's great for that type of thing I, he just ah, yeah so good just, listeners you can't see it but he's got a full handbook for the recently deceased <laughs> in his hand it's awesome perfect it's, <laughs>
0: yeah. it's, it's a hard read though that's that that's
1: also <laughs> added to the humor of it reads too. like stereo instructions <laughs> right.
0: so nothing's so easy good. for them and it's com- like they have to sit through this long waiting room and everybody's so irritated with them not knowing the rules of the dead even the unenchanting world of the dead is so funny they can't leave their house like They've made a very funny set of rules out of this. And, I mean, <laughs> yeah. just the general framework that they've got is very funny. And uh, skipping a little bit ahead of the writing, I mean, the original script is far less comedic. It's much darker. So Michael McDowell writes this. And instead of possessing the Dietzes as forcing them during a dance dinner, he wanted, like, a vine like, to come up and like, take a hold of them and tangle them up in their chairs. Like He envisioned uh, Michael McDowell wanted to have like a winged demon be, like be the form of a middle Eastern man who was intent on killing the Dietzes rather than scaring them uh, he wanted to have sex and bone, Lydia as opposed to just marry her like I <laughs> oh mean be just 14 I know For Christ's sake
2: it's like Jesus
0: I know so this is a whole lot different as it was written, and uh, he was just free to wreak havoc and uh, you know obviously him getting out' is a little more threatening. the McDowell script uh, he was featured uh, the Dietz child was There was also a nine-year-old sibling to be there as well, and uh, his homicidal wrath and the film climax involves where he mutilates uh, her while in the form of a rabid squirrel in his true form. I mean, this is heavy stuff that that Mike McDowell's writing. None of this is remaining. And according to producer Larry Wilson, who was involved with some of these early rights, the original ending was dark, and it ended with Winona Riders Lydia dying in a fire while joining her friends in the afterlife weird kooky like i'm with the people i wanted to be anyway like dark really dark stuff i'm so glad burton's the guy guy who comes in to fix this he doesn't want to do any of this stuff and he has a he has a disagreement with michael mcdowell and larry wilson and he gets the upper hand and thank goodness he does i don't want this other movie at all
2: no yeah i'm a child and adolescent psychiatrist And I could not imagine, like, oh, she's, like, in the afterlife with her friends? Like, what the hell kind of message does that send? I mean, granted, if kids are not watching it or whatever, if it's made for adults, but, my God. At least this part made it look like there's a boring waiting room. It's like the DMV. You know, you got a caseworker who does it. You got to read all this crap. You're, like, waiting forever. There's also a worm that's involved. That's a better story of like why you want to live as opposed to like die you you know i i don't know i I, for kids nowadays it's like everything's so depressing and stressful it's like if you've read that like oh dying in a burning thing when your kid your sister's getting eaten by a like a what is it squirrel Squirrel. rabbit Rabbit squirrel Mm -hmm. yeah it's like oh god whatever too dark not good too dark too dark they
1: they they, i guess this has the credit goes to tim burton here the balance Comedy, horror, morals, perhaps. The balance of this movie is something that maybe this movie would be remembered much differently if the balance were teetering one way or the other. But uh, I believe we do have, the, the, almost, it wraps it up really quick. Russell, you mentioned it earlier. Nothing funny about suicide. She's talking about jumping off of the Winter River Bridge. she We see her writing her note, and in her note, she's like going through many drafts which in a way is a little bit of comedy like oh, I need this to be, you know, perfect. And then she says to Beetlejuice, "Yeah, I want to be on that side." Beetle saying, "I want to get out." She says, "I want to get in." And Beetlejuice, the comedic character, the crazy character, stares at her and goes, "Why?" Yeah, <laughs> that was so good. And that that wraps it up for you. It's like, "No, none of us on this side are like super excited about you potentially ending your life. Life is precious."
0: The Maitland's the
1: Maitland's back it up. She's like, yeah. she's like,
0: you guys are good parents. I want to be with you, and they're like, no, no, this is not yeah. right. This is not natural. This is not your time. We don't, yeah. we do, we don't want that for you. And mm-hmm. debatably, even more hitting at home, what you're talking about, Dustin. And that
1: balance comes across a frenetic pace, like what Jake mentioned. Uh, you could not have more. I mean, you said an hour. Even if we did 40 minutes of Beetlejuice, it'd be like, whoa, I, I need a break. <laughs> it's a lot when he's on screen. It, somehow, the, the the pace is. Crazy fast, and it's hard to think about this movie from a first-time watcher's perspective. I think once you've seen it, once you know who Beetlejuice is, because the, like the, the certain uh, certain rules, the idea that if they leave their house, time accelerates, and they get transported to Saturn with with, with sandworms, <laughs> dune <Doing> like sandworms, <laughs> like, right? And, and the, ghetto the ghetto that...
0: ghetto looking <laughs> dune like sandworms.
1: I love them, yeah. by the way.
0: Uh, but like Sandwich, you hate him, right? The, the <laughs> right? You hate him, right? Oh no, I hate him. Uh, he, he, the,
1: the things about like, okay, you're going to use only so many of your help vouchers. Like it's, it's indicative of like our mental health, like, like our, our own like American healthcare system. Like, ah, oh, you're already asking for help now. You're going to meet your like afterlife deductible or whatever. Like all, all this right. stuff is like, the, the pace is so fast. And it still works. If you tinker with this movie too much, it becomes unbalanced. And so thankfully, our final project held together with some other glue, like a fantastic soundtrack. The things that keep this movie afloat kept it in its essentially only form. You could take other good movies and adjust them a little bit. We were doing this two weeks ago. We were adjusting Master and Commander a little bit. And it becomes still a very similar type of movie. If you adjust this by a couple minutes, and it goes too dark, or it goes too light, or it goes too into the seriousness of the, you know, suicide possibility from Lydia. It's wrong and it's not successful, I, I don't think. So if they struck a balance that's just great.
0: Isn't that what Burton does? I mean,
2: he, oh, yeah. he
0: balances the darkness and the humor and the warmth. Yeah. yeah.
1: Great point.
2: It's weird too that, and not just like the, the dark and the sort of topics, he manages to balance kooky aesthetics they're just accepted does that make sense like like if you think of all of burton's movies it's just weird looking and you're just okay with it like oh all right like you just pass through it you know what i'm saying like it's wild
0: this is a little different nightmare before christmas which we covered he was very directly influenced by german expressionist art which is i love that stuff but he's bringing it to a world outside of an abstracted art form and putting movement to it through this claymation. And even the claymation animation in that takes on a certain life of its own. Here there's influences of that, because it influences him. Beetlejuice being such a dark character and stuff like that. But it's also funny to have this postmodern art. Like you were kind of talking about like this new wave feel. It's in the 80s. The postmodern movement yeah. is still there. The the notion of deconstructive is like what they do this house. It's off kilter, it's surreal. You know, like an Escher picture is kind of entering into this. I feel like the outside Mm -hmm. was done better than the inside for the visuals. But nevertheless, the visuals are very much rooted into the mood that he's getting across from here. It's kind of interesting. The attic ends up being the bastion that's kept over from this. It's that still rustic place that they just couldn't get to and forgot about. So it was interesting to see how much the downstairs was changing, like what Jake was saying. But then there's this one little place that belonged to the mainland still.
2: But even more so, like, so what I'm thinking, too, is Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands. Which Scissorhands comes after this.
1: Two years later.
2: The aesthetics are weird. Yeah. But they're somehow, they're all different. They're individualized. But as an audience, you just accept them and you don't think twice about them. You look at the kook and you just. Oh, I don't know about that. I think that's part of what the appeal is. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like just get into it and I'm like, oh like I can remember w- watching these the first time. I'm just like the sameness of Edward Scissorhand's neighborhood. Right?
0: There's such a good commentary on like cookie cutter stuff right. and how how everybody That's, has to be similar and there's a degree of conformity within it. We're not breaking down that much, right. but I'm just saying like the aesthetics reinforces the gags that they're Yeah,
2: yeah. But it's just I always just feel like I'm like buying into whatever he's whatever aesthetic he's putting in as an artist you like watching it like i'm like totally okay with it you know i don't know what like peewee's house it's crazy you know this the Dietz's house it's (laughs) crazy but but i'm I'm there and i'm okay with it exactly (laughs) that's what i'm talking about it's like oh oh this is how they this is how they live this is their weird stuff look at that terrible bench they have walking in as opposed to a nice country bench in this like beautiful house setting it's weird it's got like sticks and all this crap but it's like oh that's theirs like i find myself like all right this is just how it is and this is kind of their the it's it's different i love their
1: dining room table (laughs) absolutely love their dining room table
2: i i find i find a piece of furniture that i like or something about their house every single time this past time when i watched it this afternoon the matte blue in the kitchen is phenomenal that color is just like her like, outfit in the kitchen
1: like the the i think it's a turtleneck sweater and like bracers combo and that's the other thing too is there was a joke earlier it's like a ah, nice big kitchen you'll finally be able to make a decent meal <laughs> and it's yeah. like man so Death like star. even like husband ragging on his wife's cooking and trying his hardest to get away from his family that's another thing that you miss as a kid like <laughs> how is that funny like no you want to get away um and and the thing is wouldn't you expect that she's not a good cook but you see her with a pure mario batali amount of ingredients on that in that (laughs) kitchen and she puts together that shrimp dish or whatever it is um like like she does it so it's it's not just the ordering cantonese it's it's she can cook as well apparently yeah yeah for sure
0: but going back to how this thing was made like so, co author Larry Wilson, who wrote this with Michael McDowell, he said, Believe it or not, that horrible script idea that I read earlier, they took it to Universal and they did not like it. And uh, the director of the development, director William Hill, was friends with Larry Wilson and he brought him there and he was, you know, he thought like, you know, he thought this was a good thing. And he was like, He gave him Beetlejuice to read, took the weekend, and he came back and he was thinking it was going to get a good reaction. He read, he read it and uh, he came back and told him, What are you doing with your career? Like, what is this piece of weirdness Whoa. that you're doing? Like, I think you have a promising future and you're developing into a very good executive with great taste for material. But why are you going to squander it all in this piece of, and I'm going to paraphrase, crap. And <clears throat> um, so they did chose not to pursue it and they sold that property off to the Geffen company and sat there. And following the financial success of Pee Wee's Big Adventure that you mentioned, Jake, Tim Burton became a interesting bankable director that they could work with. And he was actually already kicking around Batman. uh. Warner Brothers was willing to pay for the script's development. Uh, They were less willing to greenlight Batman at the time, so there was some slowdown. There there had become a disheartened lack of imagination and originality in the scripts that were, were coming in front of Burton. And Geffen handed Beetlejuice to him. Burton gets a hold of this, and at first, Larry Wilson's brought onto the board to continue rewriting with McDowell, and Burton replaced McDowell and Wilson with Warren Scarn. They had creative differences, to put it lightly, because clearly this is the direction they went. So Burton and Scarn rewrote, drastically shifted everything. They got rid of all those sinister things and they, they changed the tone of this. So Burton knew what it had to be and he got the right writer. So I, uh, Warren Scarron was the guy who kind of helped create, create this thing that we're all sitting here with giant smiles. Like we have video on, we're all just smiling ear to <laughs> ear at how fun this is. This wasn't going to be fun before Burton and Skyrim fixed this.
1: Horror fans will take certain villains or enemies or antagonists and think of them as more fun than they are. I know that as some of these franchises go on, uh, you can add more levity. Uh, For instance, you could think of Freddy Krueger's humor. You can definitely think of Child's Play Chucky's humor. Even, you know, Jason Voorhees getting put in comedic situations. Halloween. Uh, Halloween. Uh, gremlins are meant to be funny. So, like, there's an idea that, like, eventually, like, like some horror movie, like, horror fans will like, and I, I was watching a game show one time where one of the contestants said, the, uh, the Cenobites seem fun. They seem cool. And it's like, okay, it's like, that's, that's crazy what? from Hellraiser. Yeah. And, 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 right. and I was like, that's what, but just like, that's their fandom. They will attribute something like positive and fun to any of like the worst things.
2: <laughs> like Butterball. <laughs> exactly. He's really, jo- he's a jolly guy on the side after. Yeah, he's know. a great Wait. time. Get
1: a couple drinks <laughs> in him. Yeah. But no, but then, then we get to like, okay, this is intentionally written to be less dark. And all of a sudden, Beetlejuice has a much wider appeal than just horror fans. It was a stroke of genius to take it away from the darker side, because had it stayed dark, there still would have been people that said, like, oh, yeah, Beetlejuice is the man. But now we can all kind of agree that he has a very special place in fandom.
0: Oh, yeah. It's interesting that he's connected. I think of Burton as being the hot topic, like the overlord of hot topic, because He seems to like. (laughs) He seems to touch these the overlooked, passed over kids. You can call it goth emo, whatever you want to slap it like the drama kids, whatever. I don't like those labels, but I mean, like he is really connected with the outsiders. And um, this movie banked way beyond that. To your point, Dustin, like this connected with way beyond that audience. Because all these other ones that we're talking about, they're kind of called classics. This one hit the box office and tore it off the lid. Because, I mean, ten, top 10 movie in the year. That's pretty impressive. It, it was so profitable because it was a low budget. Like, Burton did not have a lot yeah. of money on this one. And they, I'm, I'm shocked this didn't get a sequel, given how profitable it was. They wanted to make a sequel. Right. They, they hired Jonathan Gems to write the sequel. It was going to be Just Goes Hawaiian. And it was, <laughs> they was thought that yeah. it would be funny to see the backdrop of a beach uh-huh. movie and this German expressionism oh, influence is coming together in this horrible juxtaposition. And Jim said the story followed the Dietz family because uh, Charles moved them to Hawaii to develop a resort. And they soon discovered the company the building that they're on an ancient burial ground, a la Pet cemetery or something like that. And uh, the spirit was supposed to come back from the afterlife, causing them trouble. And they rely on Beetlejuice to actually be the hero to come in to win a surf contest with his magic with the other afterlife deities that, are, that they've angered. It honestly okay.
2: sounds pretty funny.
1: You're Ke- speaking this into existence, no. Russell. Like, I-, I love thinking of this idea. So glad it's never been done.
2: Yeah. Keaton- like, no, I don't like this idea really? at all. It feels like Weekend at Bernie's, too. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. You're like talking Weekend about this, Bernie's. and I'm like, this is Weekend at Bernie's, too. And it was terrible. Keaton, <laughs> Keaton-,
0: you know, Keaton and Ryder like- <laughs> agreed to do the film with the condition that Tim Burton would come back and direct. Now, as we all know, D- Burton was hot after this. He did Batman. Yeah. Uh, he did. Edward Scissorhands and Batman uh, Returns, he got pulled away. So because Burton became a hot commodity, that's why it didn't happen. But uh, there have been a lot of, there have been a lot of, hey, would we do this kind of thing? And, you know, Winona and Keaton. It's funny. Everybody keeps saying like, yeah, if everybody's involved, we'll do it.
2: You know what though? I think it's interesting when you're talking about the, a little bit ago, when you're talking about the process of them, like writing it and rewriting it and aggressively, rewriting so, it, Aggress Right. But, I actually, I went to a viewing of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and then Rubens was there to talk about it and answer questions. And it was amazing because it was like at this like cool place here in SF. And without prompting, the audience cheered together at parts, which was, that's just magical to me. I like love it. Like the deep in the heart of Texas, like people like were like ready and. My partner at the time was like, "What the hell is going on here?" Because he had never seen that, the movie. And I'm like,
1: "Get ready, it's it, going to be people great." People giving Pee Wee's like the rock but, and Horror treatment,
2: right? Oh, uh, yeah, but it it should actually, in my opinion, I like love that. Let's movie. make it happen. But when when Rubens talks about it in his work with Burton, it's it's very interesting because when you're talking about like the rights and the rewrites, and then him teaming up with one person and they just like take off, that's what happened on Pee Wee's Big Adventure. They basically. We're in cahoots. Paul Rubin had this like really weird kitsch. And it's about Burton. And you were saying, I don't want to call it goth. I don't want to call it this or that. It's just kitsch. And it's like he feeds into another person's kitsch and then just develops something in his own eye. And that's what they they said that there's like extras or people that were like moving the statues and stuff in his front yard to create Pee-wee's house. And both of them, they dropped off all this crap. And both of them are like, we're gonna need two more trailer trucks full of this, and like everybody, this was like his first movie. Everybody was like, "What are they talking about?" And like nobody got it. But I could imagine that being the process of writing Beetlejuice or rewriting it and going through these iterations because it's just that. And that's what makes I think Burton's movies magical because they have that. There's something different. Sorry,
0: he has that attention to detail as a director of what is going on in the production design, what they're wearing, and what what the environment they're in. I mean Wes Anderson does this but I mean be, yeah. but Tim Burton takes the fantasy into this and it's not an established movie that's like a fantasy this isn't Lord of the Rings this is they are inhabiting Connecticut you know this is Winter River Connecticut it's a fictional town <laughs> right. it's actually it's actually East Corinth Vermont if you want to go visit it and actually I hate to Disappoint you even further. It's a set that they built. So, like, if you want to go visit, yeah, I know that house doesn't
2: exist. But in a way, you could
0: tell that it was a set. Like, I liked how cardboardy it was. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, it just goes along with what you said. Like, it was cheap, but it was designed to look that cheap. Believe it or not, they only had 15 million, as I mentioned earlier, to do this. And only $1 million could be reserved for visual effects. Think about that.
2: Oh my God. Only 15th
0: of the budget in a Burton film goes to visual effects. And it looks this cool. It's getting nominated for all these uh, makeup and uh, costume awards. And that is resourceful to the maximum. Matt, so much respect on that. For sure. The bridge, they had to build that too. Like, that's not a real bridge. They dammed up a tiny little creek. I did think to myself when I was watching it this time, I was like, yeah, nobody's dying from that car crash. (laughs) You're mildly inconvenienced like in the office. Like when they drive a car (laughs) into the lake, like you just, you get out and you're wet. It's like, well, I'm cold. Let's go home. (laughs)
2: <laughs> like <laughs> no yeah it's like oh gosh my volvo sinking they had plenty of time to get out it's like a little river you know it's a, it's a creek like, uh, it's a creek yeah it's a sure. creek
0: yeah but they do dam it up to make it seem more ominous so that it ha- so the car isn't sh- sitting on rocks so this car can actually <laughs> sink but i that's one of those first cartoony moments the dog standing on the board balancing the car <laughs> yeah. they swear to miss the dog and the right. dog the only thing keeping them from their peril and he walks off and then they fall into the creek so we accept that Looney Tunes nature of because of the dog, you know, like you've set, you've set like this is the reality that we're in, like that's the tone that 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 dog was important because without that, like we're all saying, like, are
2: you dead from that? Yeah, the Looney Tunes thing, I'm gonna keep thinking about the different things. It's
1: totally what it is. There's so much about it too. Um, the I believe uh, Adam Maitland gets his teeth yanked out and they become like little chattering teeth and they're biting at Beetlejuice's feet during the the oh, wedding. Yeah, yeah um there there's all tight ty- all shrink things like that the head, the head shrinking, shrinking. <laughs> i had just, a i had a toy that would shrink that the head would shrink
0: i, I love that the, yeah. i love that it's like this witch doctor that you don't like he's just not saying anything he's like the chief from like huku's nest like he's just not saying <laughs> <Yeah>. anything <laughs> the right. beetle yeah. just has this astronomically high number of like two hundred forty nine seventy eight million. like I mean, like <laughs> yeah. some massively high number <laughs> and, and the witch doctor has 4 <laughs> and i'm like yeah. oh, I like how Beetlejuice is like,
2: like look at it over there.
0: And like, and like <laughs> switches them crudely, drops it at his feet, not in his hand. <laughs> yeah. And then like, he's like, oh, it looks like I'm next. <laughs> yeah. Actually, good
1: thing, too. Hey, yo, got a, there goes I Elvis. There a photo shoot with uh, GQ here in about an hour. <laughs> yeah.
2: And it's like, and then the it's, Witch Doctor 2 is distracted by Elvis. Like, that's just ridiculous. And it's like, da-
0: and is hey, he's yo, sitting there next to another guy with a shrunken yo, head who says nothing and you don't know what's up? <laughs> <laughs> but
2: well he can't say right anything before, his
1: lips are so shit. F-
2: yeah. right before that that lady's sitting there with the legs she's severed in half by the magician and he's like trying to look up her skirt right she's on the one half yeah. like and then has to move over oh it's so good it's just perfect
0: <laughs> and then he shrinks his head down and even there's like uh, there's a good look for me
1: it, having like, that little stinger system. with him in there is incredible i think that was a last minute decision was like let's let's put that in because it, what what audiences must have realized is like Beetlejuice is fun and i and and even it, with his evil plot to escape like it's it's because he's too dangerous it's because he he's harmful to the living uh because he's reckless like like he could have killed Charles or like the things he was doing like was supposed to be set up for you as like oh no that's bad he's one of the bad ones and Juno the caseworker kind of tells you like oh no he's you really don't want to use him. the 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 way that we do it is archaic and bad and old, but don't go that way either. Like so, they they try really hard to make it to where he's more menacing, but uh, and I don't know if they actually achieve it. But it, it, even still, like he he is just kind of a, a joke machine that came straight out of Toontown.
0: Oh, you know Keaton. Keaton said that this is his favorite film of anything that he filmed, oh, wow. which, which is high praise. And um, yeah, you know he ad libbed about 90 percent of his lines an enormous oh amount of this no is michael way. keaton just you know riffing and it shows though doesn't it i mean the, like you said the yeah. pace that he's doing you know you can almost picture michael screwing around while getting his makeup applied saying the stuff making the crew laugh and saying that's a keeper he enjoyed <laughs> yeah. being this skeezy like decayed like dead
2: guy just a lot of non sequiturs to connect with whoever he's trying to manipulate correct like, attention Kmart shoppers. choppers like it's like mm-hmm. I-, I will say something that's everybody has heard on the commercial to get everybody's attention right at that moment and then nothing else that's like hooked to it it's amazing
0: vitally we, we credited Scar and burden but we really do need to give credit to keaton because so much of like you said it's isolated but it's also the magic that like it's the payoff without that it won't work. Yeah. And so Keaton Keaton also brings his own magic to this. And like I said, like Dustin said, it's fourteen point five minutes of the film that's that Keaton's in here, but
2: they're all golden. But you know when he's trying to lure the fly in and he's like, Hey, I got something to nosh. You know, that Zagnut, <laughs> you know, Michael Keaton's from Pittsburgh. Zagnut's yeah. like the clock Clark subsidiary. I wonder if he had something to do with that product placement at that time. Why would they pick Zagnut of all the? I feel weird? like I feel
0: right. like it's a funny word. I feel word. like that's a key. feel like it's also a funny word and it's also obscure. So like if you do a Snickers, it's not as funny as if you pull out something really, really <laughs> Zagnut, weird. Zagnut, yeah.
1: Beet- Beetlejuice likes Zagnut for some reason. Yeah, it's like <laughs>
2: weird, but it, that has to be like a Keatonism from the Clark Factory in Pittsburgh, right? I, that's how I would interpret it.
0: Burton told him that he was supposed to like not be from anyone. Keaton plays off of that as well, like. You know, you know, he talks about like, oh, I lived through the plague.
2: That was a good time. Right, you he, know he I mean? did like, attend
1: Juilliard. He also is a graduate of Harvard Business School. So, he, I mean, right. he's got quite a quite the credentials.
2: Yeah, but no, but what I'm saying is, is I wonder personally if it was a key if he was yeah, given yeah, the yeah. if he was given the the like free reign. It was like, oh, he's supposed to hold up something. Well, I'm gonna hold up something from my hometown. Do you know what I'm saying? Maybe. I bet that that's how that happened. You I, can't. You, you
0: probably just like you said. He probably just spit it out there, improvising because it's something that he knows and yeah, it worked. I mean, Burton Burton originally wanted Sammy Davis Jr. to do Beetlejuice, and the Beetlejuice is one of those iconic characters where God, I can't picture. I mean, maybe Robin Williams or, like, Jim Carrey could do it. Yeah. But, but again, Keaton's so good at this. It it hurts me to know that, like, he wasn't their first choice. The studio producers were really pushing Dudley Moore and Sam Kinison.
1: The Sam Kinison thing is ridiculous.
0: I don't think you can control Sam Kinison for that long. Like, if it's, like, for, like, two minutes (laughs) in the movie back to school, like, it works. But, like, I can't predict making a movie where you're writing on. Is this a guy that's stable enough that you really want to bank on like your like
2: title character? Oh my god. So. That is so weird. I watched part of Back to School today because in the suggestions under Beetlejuice, there was <laughs> Caddyshack, Back to School, and Vacation. And so I watched the beginning of vacation till Rod Rodney Dangerfield comes in and Caddyshack his entrance and then I switch to back to school so that's so weird you mentioned Sam Kiddesley you just described a great
0: afternoon Jake I need to join you for this (laughs) that is like that's that's the afterlife I want to have you know (laughs) I mean watching all of those movies together wow that uh, yeah Pandora gets me or uh, not Pandora I guess whatever recommendations you were getting that those are some great recommendations oh yeah Christy Alley was the first choice for Barbara and the producers of Cheers just wouldn't let her out to do the role. I actually think she would have been funny at this. Christy has the funny... the She has the funny bone. She can definitely do this stuff. They kicked around Sigourney Weaver, Linda Blair, which that would be funny, like a meta, like from like... Uh-huh. Yeah. That, that would just yeah. be very funny for the meta aspects of it. Goldie Hawn, Laura Dern, Linda Hamilton were also considered for the roles. And switching gears, let's talk about Catherine O'Hare. Catherine O'Hare. I mean... This is somebody who I think in a later era would have like cashed in more. She's very underappreciated. She's very funny. She's not just Kevin McAllister's mother. I feel like I'm sad that she wasn't born maybe 10 to 15 years, 20 years later. Because she is very, very funny.
1: She's had a late career revival. It's a TV show. What's the show? Shits Creek. That's it.
2: Yeah, yeah, obviously. But
1: I never knew that she was uh, the... The singing voice of either Lockstock or Barrel from Nightmare Before Christmas. She's one of the three trick-or-treater like bad oh, kids. Weird. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool.
0: I mean, she's a second city she's a second city alum. Like she she rubs shoulders with the Saturday Night Live crews that, you know, would go on in those late eighties to be so good. Like she is from that comedy tree that yes. is like like she's got chops. Yeah. She can hang with these people. And this is why I'm sitting there going like, ah, man, they weren't giving lead roles to women in comedies in the late 80s. That just wasn't happening. And She, she actually yeah. can carry more load than she does here. And um, you can kind of see it.
2: Did you ever did you guys ever get into like watching like the mockumentaries like Waiting for Guffman or Best in Show? Waiting for Guffman. She is incredible. And it's like subtle humor.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She has that ability to tap into like being serious by be- while being so exaggerated. Like, right. She's not playing but- a character. She just is this wild and crazy person. But it it she hits the notes so much. Like it's like you yeah. said, it's so seamless for her.
2: Do do yourselves a favor and watch the mo- her in these mockumentaries. She is embodies and then she the, the what's so spectacular about her comedy is the subtlety. To it i don't know i i i'm a f- huge fan and i have been forever be- waiting for guffman's a, a, is totally worth looking into because her genius in comedy is like right there and through those movies and then the series of them they're christopher guest movies totally worth watching and i skipped Great. ahead in my notes too
0: much christy alley would have been gina davis's role by the way oh, so gotcha, i skipped gotcha. ahead okay. to Catherine a too quickly so it's not christy doing gina davis's role she would have been doing the other one, which I, by the way, I think she would have done a great job there. Gina Davis is good in this, by the way. So, and Clint Shattucks, when he dies, he at his memorial service uh, had the Day O uh, Banana Boat song played mm. at his dinner party as he died. <laughs> uh, so. That's awesome. Yes. And, that and, and Burton goes back to the tree again. Like, Otho's character, uh, Glenn Shaddix, is the mayor and who has the turnaround face, the, the two-faced in mayor in Nightmare Before Christmas. So it's funny to see how like he just goes back to his own tree of people. It's not just Johnny Depp yeah. 900 times. Like He finds people he likes, and he keeps working with them.
2: Jeffrey Jones in Sleepy Hollow.
1: Yeah, exactly. Sleepy Hollow was one I watched a lot in my teens. And, and I, when I mean a lot, I mean it was either on TV or like I'd go over to somebody's house and watch that a friend of mine that I just reconnected with on Twitter after a decade, which is like, remember Monday Movie Madness? Like, what? Like, we used to go over to, and I'm like, whoa, we did. I didn't realize I was a fan of movies before Russell asked me to be on a podcast. I used to, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Sleepy Hollow is great. I, I, I really think uh, his portrayal of Charles here is uh, exactly as, like, not understated, but he's everything that that role needs to be. He doesn't need to be anything bigger or more.
0: The stop motion components of what they're doing in A Nightmare Before Christmas is something that he kind of like brings here as well. The sandworms and stuff like that. It's stylized, but it's very, very fun. Again, yeah. he's using that $1 million, which isn't very much. And he uses it so well. The pull, like the facial makeup they do when they're like, okay, so what are you going to do to scare them this time? No more parlor tricks. I need to see what you're going to do. And they like stretch their faces out, or like they take their eyes and put them in their mouths and stuff like that. Again, these are scary, creepy things, but they're, they're handled in a way that are also getting laughs, and they're still using their regular voices, and they're not even like roar, I'm scary. It's, um, they're just so crafted. There's so much detail that Burton takes and puts into his little set pieces and the makeup. And that, that level of care makes rewatches really fun. They didn't know the snake, though, was gonna be Michael Keaton. They drew a snake. An animatronic face with no resemblance to what was rendering had to be and so after keaton got cast and the makeup developed they had to go back and uh redo some of that so that the snake bared some beetlejuice-like resemblance to as opposed oh, to wow. some random monster because when like, they're like nobody's gonna know this is beetlejuice it's just a snake and that that was a problem so good catch there too uh D- dustin you said this music's fun the uh, Deo Banana Boat song when they're at the dinner table. I mean, that's that's an iconic scene. And the jump in the line is just like a wacky, like, this is Harry Belafonte song. The Harry like, Belafonte the, like, stuff, like, it's is just so great. not like you know, Danny Elfman's going to be associated with Tim Burton, but yes, but these, wa- these warm, sunny Harry Belafonte oh, yeah. voices are just the juxtaposition's wild.
2: And like, they start at the beginning with like the, the G, right? You hear an echo of Deo. In a different way, but in like sort of a gloomy. And then even when Adams bar, bar like when who's the the real estate agents at the window? Remember, Jane. he hits the play, Jane, right? And With her he's matching listening daughter, to her daughter wearing the matching clothes. He hits the play button on that little tiny recorder, and it's another Harry bo- It's the beginning of uh, man smart, woman smarter, and it's so stupid. But it's like every like they must have had a Harry Belafonte cassette. In right. like every room of right. that house. It's just really amazing.
1: Well, Juno says later on, do what you know. And what they do to scare them was put together some type of <laughs> choreographed dance. And I you're thinking so. like... Yeah. Uh, is well, the but, most fun possession you've ever seen? Let's pretend you don't know <laughs> yeah. the movie at all. Let's see, this is something I had to do because I was coming in with a bias of like, oh, I grew up with this movie. But imagine you don't know what's going on. Because they don't know, and the characters don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden, Catherine O'Hara just starts singing this song. What? Hold on! I've already been yanked to a desert planet with sandworms already, and and now we're getting this. But what's the only connection? It you almost don't know that it is the Maitlands interfering, like their possession through Harry Belafonte songs. Like you, you kind of don't know. It's possible, I guess I should say. It's possible you don't know at all what's going on until you realize it's a failed attempt to scare them. But Russell, you know, you, you, you mentioned uh, Danny Elfman. I, I was going to say, like, dude, you're focusing on the wrong thing because the Belafonte stuff is great. <laughs> but you know that Elfman's going to deliver a knockout, grand slam performance, and he does. I had actually put Beetlejuice's soundtrack over some of the other soundtracks that, that he's known for uh, this beats Edward Scissorhands, and that's an incredible soundtrack. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Batman yeah. for me
0: is the one that, like, that. that's Burton Elfman together. That's also Batman's uh, great. great. Yeah. Uh, although, you can't top Nightmare Before Christmas. There's
1: things about this. The, the Nightmare Before Christmas doesn't have to, uh, except for the scenes where he's delivering the presents in the homes, you don't get any of the homey. The suburbia or like rural stuff, like when they're drive when when Adam is driving down to Maitland Hardware because apparently mm-hmm. that's his job. He's a hardware store owner. Yeah, uh, there's some very pleasant, light, upbeat uh, strings. That's like okay, we're not getting into the Beetlejuice suite yet. We're getting into the same music that when Lydia is riding her bike back to the house and everything's exactly fine. Uh, and and yeah, it's very reminiscent of the type of music like when Peg Boggs is driving around over Scissorhands. He does, Elfman does (laughs) a great job of, here's normal everyday light stuff, at the same time as doing the, here's some very quirky, quick Lissando's big brass hits, and this one is another killer soundtrack.
0: I like there's something menacing and fun in the beginning. The the title credits are rolling, you know you're in for a fun time. There's darkness to it, but it's still fun. That's a hard balance to do. It's a hard balance for Burton to do visually and in comedy. And yet, it's also a hard balance for you to do as a musician. And Elfman is just as skilled as burden for hitting that balance.
1: Yeah,
2: I wonder if though too, when you were talking about like the Maitlands, it's it, it's it's not like Marconi. Ennio Morcone. did a, yeah, like with the like having. I feel the like spaghetti he does Western. more characters. He does more like character music. Like if you watch like Once Upon a Time the west like burton doesn't have like a here's your character entrance thing it's more of like here's the situational vibe like that you have in like when you have like the maitlands driving or like lydia back it's like oh back to normalcy they're going back to the the connecticut lifestyle versus like the darker oh doom and gloom pending beetlejuice arrival thing i hate to harp on this peewee's big adventures is <laughs> incredible too yeah, yeah, like it, the music of that of element like think about the stupid Rube Goldberg breakfast machines, like, dun, 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 it's like that frenetic thing. It, it's it sets the tone for the entire movie. It, I don't know. I'm like
0: those
1: two. That's a great song. I have that.
0: Yeah, Burton and Burton yeah. and Delfman are yeah. peas in a pod. I like that. Yeah, let's hand out some awards. What do you say? I'm ready. MVP,
2: Jake. or Bur- all in Burton, hundred percent. Now knowing what I know now, for sure. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, I'm with you too, Dustin. How about you?
1: Maybe because I have been swimming in the Burton waters for so long that I'm actually going to give this to Keaton. Uh, I knew what you had said that this was his favorite movie and his favorite role to play, something that's become culturally special because of his contribution. And then you give me the knowledge that it's ninety percent of his stuff was ad libbed. I still don't believe you, but like, like but that's wild. Uh, and and it's not because I had Beetlejuice toys as a kid. It's because like this people know who you're talking. About. You like people know this um so i'm going with keaton here
0: i was one over for sure in researching this and i saw what the michael mcdowell script was and i was like this is terrible i don't want this at all <laughs> yeah i mean another another like you heard what the other executive thought was on the script it was terrible and um <laughs> and and they saved it so that's so cool that they transformed it, it makes you wonder. Why on earth did Tim Burton ever do a remake of Chocolate, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Why did he ever do a remake of Planet of the Apes when he can take drivel and turn it into something so good? Why on earth did he get lazy and do those two remakes? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, best supporting. I think, I think you mentioned this. Is this going to be Catherine Hare for you then, Jake? Yeah,
2: I think. She's kind of unsung. And she's a genius, like, just sort of has that, like, her delivery and appreciation now versus when I was younger.
1: You know, she embodies the role. Love it. Dustin, how many you best supporting? She, she embodies the role. Uh, Jake said it, and she brings the role to life. More that you, when you're an adult, you see that type of person. God, Jake, when you said, like, have you ever met a Adelia, Adelia? I'm just like, oh, oh God, <laughs> you know, you realize you have, or, like, the ones in your life. And she does that so well. And uh, while I wouldn't say, because I didn't watch that TV show, Shit's Creek. So, like, aside from that, like, I only know Catherine O'Hara from a couple roles, and Home I alone. think this is the role yeah. for her. So she's mine as well.
0: I hate to be one note, but Jake, I'm going to copy you and Dustin on this one, too. I mean, it's uh, Catherine O'Hara is just so good, and it really shines through here. I wish she had gotten some leading parts in a comedy at th- this time period. I hey, want a shout-out, uh, Sylvia Sidney, though, too. The character Juno is very funny. Like, there's just this grumpy, cantankerous nature of the character. Like you said, DMV lady drove that home, Dustin. Perfect. So, Hidden Gem Jake old bill
1: the guy at the barbershop when he's going
2: into the hardware store how are you doing bill oh, and he had the shoulders dude. right down to his goddamn shoulders and he says just trim it, trim a, little. it a little like that's a hidden gem like because it's like you know that guy it's like oh how are you doing bill and he's like running starts talking and it, that is like a gem to me Keeps i like
0: talking to nobody there yeah have, have you met a bill before is this why this is tickling you so much oh
2: yeah because it's like you know that person. these are people from my hometown yeah these are my relatives perfect like this is my brother and his my grandma's relationship they would sit for hours and talk in like opposite each other. directions <laughs> into the and wind it yeah it's like
0: it's great that makes me love smile that. now that it resonates for you in that way so that's no wonder that's a hit you and um that's that's real comedy though when you can make something that's that relatable so i love that uh, yeah yeah dustin how about you head jump
1: when they're in the land of the dead, or I guess the waiting room of the dead, like there, there's a lot of funny little bit characters there, but they're walking towards uh, where they're supposed to meet Juno, and they go down what I call the Bill and Ted hallway, where it's all like, yeah, warped. weird, different quarters. Yeah, warped. And they open the door with the Lost Souls. Well, that's the Lost Souls room. The guy playing the janitor is an actor named Simi Bow, who had been used uh, by Tim Burton in other movies. And I just think he plays that sort of like, Oh, I've been around here a long time, and this is, <laughs> his eyes are ma- made up to be very sunken. Uh, he, he he looks like he could be a relative of Vincent Price. Uh, like I, yeah. I thought he his just small amount and just the one or two lines he has is enough. He, he's he steals that tiny little scene. It's death for the dead. <laughs> At first, when you said
0: a semi bow, I my 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 mind was oh, this is no, it was a different bow on the project. There was Bo Welsh. Was the production designer, which by the way I didn't call him out. He's he did an amazing job. But fun story: the Bo Welsh, different Bo, ends up marrying Catherine O'Hare. That he's their he's her future husband. They meet on the set of this movie. So, oh, um, cool. so he did some amazing work and Company of Bonos. Wolves and Full Metal. Yeah, so uh, Burton wanted Anton A- A- first, who did Company of Wolves. Sorry, and Full Metal Jacket, and First was committed to do another movie, which he was super regretted called Hide Spirits, and so. He turned to Bo Welsh, and Bo Welsh gets an amazing job, does an amazing job with this. He then in turn gets rewarded with Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns, and his future wife. So pretty good deal for Bo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that rules. Yep. Uh, huge tangent. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> my, my, my hidden gem, though, is going to go to um, Neil, who is the makeup artist. It is amazing. I mean, oh, yeah. uh, just such great work, all of these colorful characters you had to recast somebody and put somebody else in their place who is it going to be jake
2: i would have somebody be different be robert goulet goulet like someone who's like a little bit more harsh and less aloof like maybe a james woods oh, or something like that yeah. like do you know what i'm talking about like somebody who's like cutthroat type of has that kind of embody like because is uh, not a powerful i mean he's like just aloof he's just kind of that he or he could have played maybe maybe he could have played it up a little bit better but i, I don't know that's uh, yeah. sure
0: dustin recast somebody put somebody else in place
1: i like sylvia Sidney for this but i am going to recast her uh, i'm going to put jessica walter in instead I don't know if the age is just right, but <gasps> most people know Jessica Walter as the oh, mom yeah, yeah, yeah. Fr- as, as uh, from Arrested Development and also as the <laughs> voice of Archer's mom in Archer. I, I think she could have done that. It, it, it added a little more sass to it, I believe. Maybe the it's already perfect, but uh, I, I, I think I would put her in instead.
0: This is a hard one to improve on. It's a hard one to improve on. I thought Alec Baldwin was too... Um... I guess strong and like, I know they try and apply glasses to him, but I mean, he's still like a tall, strong, handsome man uh, at this age. And I'm sitting there going like, that's not right for this character. Like he doesn't, um, he should he should be out of his element. Like he should be unable to scare somebody. Like, you know, there should be something super not intimidating with him. And, um, maybe it's just cause we just talked about little shop of horrors last week on the show, but I mean, uh, like, yeah. I, I, Rick Moranis would be so good to see, struggling to scare people and stuff like that and but he also could bring the warmth too for like uh you know no don't kill yourself so I, I could see him doing both of those things he's a good foot shorter than gina davis probably probably so i don't that 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 could, oh that could be a little God. bit of a problem but i'm gonna overlook that but um yeah but you're getting him off the, the heels of spaceballs and before ghostbusters 2 so he's got a he's got a year where he doesn't have a movie to his credit here so he needs this in his catalog i think
1: that was perfect yeah
0: dustin dustin, dustin you don't look you don't look happy
1: I I appreciate that Alec Baldwin had this cuz I th- I think he wanted always to be a leading man in movies. And I don't know if that really I don't if you were to look back and ask young Alec Baldwin like what your what your career should have been, I think it would be different than what the reality is now. And and I so whenever I see him kind of like as a lead I'm always kind of happy that it's there. That's that's what I'm thinking about. I'm not thinking about Rick Moranis as him. I think that's funny. I like that. I, I uh, Russell was was talking about like I was kind of staring into space. It's because I was thinking about Alec Baldwin's career. I was not thinking about uh, Rick Moranis as a sub, which would be fun. Career win. But hey, he gets to be Jack from uh, Thirty Rock, so
0: that's that's all good. Yeah,
1: you, and you're not used to seeing my angry face because I'm always happy to be on the podcast. But I walk around most of the time just feeling. <laughs> really mad at everything just so people don't talk to me you gotta i about said you gotta pay to talk to me but hey the podcast is free so you can listen anytime best (laughs) shot jake
2: uh, when there's that like tiller in the yard and the, the refurbished house with all the cars in front of it. And it's like just blowing past the garbage that's supposed to be collecting. Like it just like it's, so it's the shot of the few, the house that has been totally remodeled and it's like the creakingness of it. I just like that shot. I think it's just interesting. You're like, you're like,
0: you're like my wife. She picks these very, very small things that nobody writes home about. Them very special to her in these movies that she loves very very much so in a way i'm used to this sort of thing so sure (laughs) dustin (laughs) dustin best shot
1: uh this was tough for me uh I, i i almost went with with delia and otho looking into the study when she's screaming at him that she'll go insane and take take him with her because uh, because that's I I thought that was great but uh for, it's Beetlejuice coming out of the grave when they dig him up and he bursts out it looks like he's on wires uh he's wearing like a a like a a dirty uh, duster and like a guide cap it's not his it's not what he's wearing on the poster but it's the first time you see him in full body I just think it's like this is finally forty seven minutes in or whatever you said this is finally when oh we get a big we we get a big reveal. You've got organ playing during it. He's got that iconic gravestone. That's his gravestone. Here lies BeetleGeist. Uh I I I've, I thought that was the, the coolest shot. It's your introduction. Here's the rest of the movie. Bam, here it is.
0: Mine's gonna be Gina Davis riding it on a sandworm abruptly. Like it comes very <laughs> quick, so it's a very fast <laughs> cut. And she's riding on top of one of these stop motion oh, right. Uh, sandworms to eat Beetlejuice and save the day at the end. It's a crescendo. It's an unexpected climax. It's riding a sandworm. It's just so funny. And it's so good because Beetlejuice even said earlier, it's like, <laughs> sandworms, you hate them, right? I know I do. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's so perfect. So, while he was trying to join a sleazy car salesman, so it's a, it's a nice little callback in a, its own little detailed way. Best scene, Jake?
2: Hands down the dinner. Hands down. Close second would be the attention Kmart shoppers. That whole, I'm happy. I like <laughs> feeling like, you know, like, about, about myself. So, without further delay, I that's second. But the dining room that I I rewatched that so many times as a kid. It is does it never gets old. The interest and I like. I was watching it extra hard today, just kind of to get like different glimpses of things. And I find, I, I notice this more as an adult, but there's like a kind of a loss of a character that they're supposed to be possessed, but they're enjoying themselves. Does that make sense? Because like, every once in a while a character will be smiling and then it's like back to like, oh God, I'm like, I can't control myself. And it, it's, it's an interest. I like that.
0: Can so. you sing Harry Belafonte and not be smiling though?
2: That's 100%
0: true.
1: Dustin, how about you? What's your best scene? It's also at the dinner table, but not the same scene. It's the seance later on. Otho's reading of the, sort of the words from the handbook of the recently deceased is spooky and powerful. Uh, You are coupled with that, with Adam and Barbara disappearing from each other, which even though everything that they encounter in the movie is new to them, none of it is, I guess, particularly scary to them. Like, we're dead. (laughs) Barbara, I don't think we have anything to worry about. (laughs) So like nothing's scary, but when they start fading from each other's vision and they start grasping at each other, like it's scary. And then they start, and then they start aging. And and I don't think even with the snake scene earlier, I don't think the stakes had been risen yet. And so when that happened in that scene, that's my that that's what makes Lydia desperate to go get help from the ghost with the most, baby. Very true.
0: Yeah, and I I'm gonna I hate to be this I'm gonna sandwich that answer back with what Jake did, but the dinner possession scene where they sing "Deo." the banana boat song it's just so funny it, it hits you abruptly because Catherine o'hare is the first one who does it too and i love that everybody is still themselves until one at a time they are singing different parts of the song like what are you doing and like, like looking under the table for where's this speaker coming from and then he pops up singing himself
2: and then otho like he's like throws the like ice bucket and mm-hmm. then he's like smiling and then he's like why am i doing this like you know like he's it there's that change mid-action where he's like being forced oh, and then so he good realizes in that. he's so good in that. yeah he's good yeah
0: we didn't we didn't get to call this out though i do like it when glenn shaddix is uh has this tearaway black suit and like his beetlejuice is haunting them all and his version of haunting glenn shaddix is to have him wear a white suit instead. <laughs> leisure, and, yeah, it's just and just it's like, like an awful oh! leisure suit, too. It's terrible. <laughs> yes. <And> he, just <laughs> runs, he runs out because it's his worst nightmare. That's the worst thing you could do to Otho. It's yeah. the worst thing it could happen to him. He wears white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: it's so good. Now,
0: so good. Uh, best wardrobe or makeup moment,
2: Jake. I like wedding Beetlejuice. I like that. Nah. Attention Kmart shoppers! I'm so sorry. That is so good. The carousel on the head, the arms that are all wrapped up—that is great. It's a good sight, that's like the, fa- yeah, that's it. Yeah, sorry,
1: Dustin. Yeah.
0: Best wardrobe or makeup moment, of which there are many great ones.
1: Everything yeah. Delia Dietz wears is incredible. <laughs> she's great. everything she wears. I mentioned the little the... curly Q,
0: that, like her hair, like plastered to the side of her so head. So that's
1: with... that's the that's the dinner scene where she's got the kind of oh. the wavy. Uh, things towards, like, uh, her cheekbones. Uh, that's an awesome one. Uh, the, I think the one that, that I like the best is when they're eating takeout Chinese food. She's, she's wearing uh, some sort of elbow-length gloves in her hair, and <laughs> yeah. the gloves kind of look like, it, they kind of look like a spider in her hair. I think they, they, they used Catherine O'Hara, like, as a canvas to, to put these incredible clothes on. And, uh, well, I, Russell, I think you know I like to point out a good and a bad with most movies. It's all good, baby. This is a great wardrobe move.
2: Delia, though, too, the other good one is like whenever the construction manager is leaving and she's like, If you tell me what you did, I'll tell you why my, my husband fired you. She's wearing like a white, sloppy shirt with one arm. With that's
1: one black. arm is black. Uh,
2: it's really weird. It's it just weird. Her, it's like in that part, it's like she's supposed to be lounging around the house and it's just this weird
1: avant garde sort of. Yeah, it's great. I, I also yeah, like yeah. that like, she, she passes out hard when it's like time to go to bed, so maybe it takes her time to like get into <laughs> something good later on in the day.
0: My, my best wardrobe is kind of an effect. I like, I like the blue lady who's been sawed in half. Because, like, I mean, Beale <laughs> just rubs her leg, and then like she's on the other side of him. It looks good. It's, it, again, it, if it can be done corny and it doesn't go well, it, it would be there. We didn't get to it, but shout out to Winona Ryder wearing the red wedding dress. There's something yeah. very cool, music video element to the such a saturated red dress. It's a horror depiction scene. She doesn't want to be marrying Beetlejuice, so it's kind of funny, but also it's a cool dress. So, also, Winona's a very lovely lady.
2: Her veiled hat. At the dinner table, we'll build you a dark room at the basement. (laughs) One, She has, like, this, like, it's a really, it's a cool, it's a cool My
1: whole life is a dark room. I worked (laughs) weddings during graduate school, and I worked a wedding where it wasn't the Beetlejuice tux, but the dress was that red Beetlejuice. What Mm. was was Lydia's red dress? That's good taste. Absolutely stunning.
0: Yeah, it is. I guess it's funny to see her in, like, a Catholic school girl, like, (laughs) like outfit coming home because it's so not lydia but it just goes to show you that she's turned it around it's cool that these ghost parents can give her the attention even though she's got such hands-off parents those are still her parents but it's very heartwarming at the end to see you know alex baldwin and gina davis actually tutoring her and caring about her they wanted to have a kid and there's something very heartwarming about how that movie finishes off oh yeah i guess that i didn't narrow it down to one i just keep I could keep going. This movie's really (laughs) good with the wardrobe and the makeup. I'm not gonna lie. And I didn't even mention the iconic Beetlejuice with the green slime coming down a receding forehead and stuff,
2: so. Oh, yeah.
0: Change one thing. If you had to change one thing, Jake, I can tell you like this movie, but what's one thing that you would change?
2: Maybe a little bit more with The Civil Servants. I know that they're just a little bit, but, like, you know, there's, like, a quick waiting room, and then they're, like, walking back, but, uh, like, Juno comes in and out, but it's only, like,
0: well, yeah, Juno's got the scars on her neck because she committed suicide,
2: right? But a little bit more of that, like weirdness in the afterlife of like the why you don't want to go type of yeah, thing. Like... I think that that could have been a little bit more of that. Like, I think they did it enough, but that probably would have been kind of cool as to if there was other weird, quirky rules in the afterlife, I kind of, like, would like that for some reason. I think it was enough, but I think that that would be neat. Like, why is there that janitor? Janitor, There's you know? enough, yeah.
1: Jake, I think I'm with you. There's enough lore here to create, like, a whole series of stuff. There's so yeah. much here that, like, uh, and this is so different or than anything else. Or an
0: adventure where he goes to Hawaii. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> like, the, the,
1: the, there, there's so much there and uh, it's, it's better that they don't flesh it all out, but maybe right. if we could have gotten a little more. I think I'm with hmm dustin change one thing i think we need to include something more maybe it's a third encounter with the family to make beetlejuice seem more dangerous because uh, i think the balance is good and the snake monster i mean he, he has the rattle he drops charles it maybe somehow charles is saved by a last minute intervention from the maitland somehow if Beetlejuice is slightly more dangerous or he does something really bad that has like a lasting implication, aside from just, I mean, what, what's his end goal? The thing that they're trying so hard to stop at the end is a marriage. It's not like a killing. Like it's, it's not like a full-on possession. He's trying to marry Lydia. So if, if, there's, if there was something else that was to make him more dangerous, I think that would be helpful, but I don't think the movie needed, the more that we touch this, the more it likely becomes unbalanced.
0: Besides just having more Beetlejuice or wanting to the director's cut, where you can see all the funny things that Michael Keaton's doing, I think the Maitlands everybody looks like the way they were when they died, and that's a very funny sight gag. and I know they would be uncomfortable the whole time, uh, but I think it would be really funny to see Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin be like wet the whole time, or like pulling wet hair out of their face as they're right. talking. I think you can use it to get reinforcing gags throughout the movie or like say something funny but then like have water running out of your mouth or something like that and i think there could just be something i'd be tempted to at least ask them I was like hey can we just keep dumping water on you all the
1: time <laughs> practically it seems like torture I, I yeah i i can see wanting something i don't know if being drenched the whole time is what i want maybe we change the way they die but but i i, I like the idea of th- that maybe it has legs we just never gave it a shot
2: best quote jake like the the whole commercial speech, like having trouble with the living. You want to get rid of those pesky Like I love that whole thing. That the, I like that, and kind of use used car I, salesman I have... tone
0: to it. Yeah, yeah,
2: I I think that that's great. I think that's like my favorite. There's there are like two others. If you guys don't say them, I'm going to tell you which the other ones are.
1: I can't believe that's what I that was mine. Um, what I have written down is <laughs> having trouble with living. Are you tired of having <laughs> your home space violated? <laughs> But the way that that commercial ends is also very funny, with uh, for no reason at all. Like, <laughs> chew on the dog, yeah, no, no, it's before that. He, he, he says, I'll do anything to get your business, I'll eat anything you want me to eat, I'll swallow anything you want me to swallow. Like, that's his theme Come song for his business. That doesn't make any sense, but it's the scene I laughed so at for. You know, that scene is only a minute long, but I rewound it so many times. I had to watch it again. So fun.
0: I'm similar but different here. Mine is Adam asking, what are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended (laughs) Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I traveled quite extensively. I linked to the Black Plague. That was a pretty good time. That that. And I've seen The Exorcist about 167 (laughs) times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Not to mention the fact you're talking to a dead guy.
1: Yeah. The
2: honorable, too. We picked Beetlejuice ones, right? But the other thing, too, is Delia coping with her stress and telling Lydia that, like, she's preparing a dinner party. You know, like, that is great. That's so funny. And then, like I mentioned, Charles is toast. I think that those are great. Like, they're they're great little sort of quotes because it's just.
0: Good Delia line is when she's been threatened by her own sculptures. It's a nice callback to when <laughs> they were unloading it uh, at, at the house when she was, She warned them. She goes, This is my art and it's dangerous.
1: And it is dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. I'll, I've got a Delia line just on cue. I've got a Delia line for you. They're walking through, they're spray painting the walls. Otho goes, What happened to the couple here? They died and they just keep walking. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Does not care at all. Uh, yeah. Okay. Them. It's
0: the big moment, Jake, on a five-star scale, half-star intervals. What do you give Beetlejuice?
2: Oh, it's five stars. It's my second favorite movie of all time.
1: So, no doubt.
0: Dustin, on a five-star scale.
1: Tim Burton kills it. The characters are all extremely memorable. It's become a touchstone for goth kids everywhere. Even before Nightmare Before Christmas stole that show. We talked about how he's a Looney Tune. I do think the editing could have been cleaned up a little bit particularly towards the end when they can't say Beetlejuice. Well, that's the thing that stops them. It's the thing that, that beats him, is saying his name, and they edit it to where they all can get Beetle out, but they can't say the rest. I think that would have been helpful. Then I had to do what I mentioned earlier, where take a step back as if I don't know this stuff, as if I didn't watch the, the cartoon as well. There's a whole bunch of stuff that, to any other viewer, would be extremely confusing. Like, well, why do they go to Saturn? What are these sandworm things? Is there anything at all important about the fast forwarding of time when they're not inside the house? Adam, you've been gone for two hours. How long were we in there? Three months. Like, what? does it matter to the movie at all? No. It n- not at all. I don't know. The I think rule- that
0: it sets up that there are rules that they are not attuned to in this afterworld. And this is just, this is just we one. We already have that.
1: That's one of the weird ones. But here's the thing. Movies are meant to be entertaining. And everything about this movie is its a 4.5 stars.
0: I'm with you, Dustin. I'm 4.5. Uh, this is one of those ones that I'm sticking to what I wrote down saying 4.5, but I've enjoyed it. And anytime I'm just grinning about it as I'm talking about it so much, it does have me questioning going forward. Does this have what it takes with rewatch? It's grown on me so much. Maybe it will become a five for me. I, it, has, it has high potential too. I, I've returned to it a number of times and I'm liking it more and more, and studying it now makes me like it even more, so it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, this is only trending up for
1: me. It's it's, yeah, it's a great score for a great movie, and it's a favorite movie of mine.
0: Dustin, help me pick a movie for next time. I'm ready. Uh, Fourth of July is coming up, but it's, it's a very patriotic feeling time, so Independence Day uh, 1996 The aliens are coming, and their goal is to invade and destroy Earth. Fighting superior technology, mankind's best weapon is the will to survive. Option two, Team America from 2004. The popular Broadway actor Gary Johnson is recruited by the elite counterterrorism organization Team America World Police. As the world begins to crumble around him, he must battle with terrorist celebrities and falling in love. And option three, Captain America, the first Avenger from 2011. Steve Rogers is a rejected military soldier, transforming himself into Captain America after taking a dose of the super soldier serum. But being Captain America comes with a price as he attempts to take down a warmongering terrorist organization.
1: I think I would hope we cover all of these someday, but we're going to go with Independence Day 96.
0: Welcome to Earth!
1: <laughs> yes. Um,
0: all right, Jake, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really had a lot of fun with you.
2: It's a pleasure. Thank you guys so much. I had fun too.
0: And thank you, all the Lord's ladies, and Knights of the Restaurant Movie Roundtable. We invite you to reach out to us. So we want to hear from you. So subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. We really appreciate it. Because that's what helps other people find the show. So it takes like no time for you. cost costs you nothing. So just go on and give us a five star. And it really helps proliferate the show. And uh, whatever you need us to do, we'll eat anything. We'll We'll do anything, well, we anything you want us to eat. We'll <laughs> swallow anything you want us to swallow. Come on down now. Chew uh, on a dog. <laughs> thank you Dustin and give us a li- give us a like on Facebook uh, follow us on Twitter at at movie underscore retro and emails at retromovie roundtable yahoo.com if you want to go into deeper discussion and producing and providing this podcast is fun but not free we invite you to support our show at the patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash retro movie roundtable any contributions will are much appreciated and we'll go towards making the show stronger and better for you the listeners so as always thank you for listening be good to each other and watch more movies. Dustin? It's
1: got you smoking there, bud. Tells you something about your state of mind, don't it? It's got you hearing things, got your nerves shot. It's got you smoking...